sin is a demand that requires holiness. Now, who's holy? Nobody. Well, how do we deal with this? We'll talk about that and more. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, a program taking you through the Bible in one year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Great to have you with us as we study this. We'll be looking at Revelation chapter 19 in just a few minutes, but Ryan is here first, right? All right, well, today my study involves John's vision of Jesus Christ on a white horse. It's going to be a good one. Very good. Janice. Today, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Excellent. And Matlock is here. Matlock, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Excellent. Doing good. We're going to talk about your experience with God and God spoke to you and the whole business and what happened and all of that. So it's going to be a very good day. Now, let's get our Bibles out and turn to Revelation chapter 19. And let's listen to what God says to us by reading his wonderful word. Revelation 19, 1 through 10. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory! and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints." Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Revelation chapter 17, chapter 18, and chapter 19. That's what we study today. And let me tell you, Revelation is an amazing passage of Scripture. And if you do have your Bible guide that uh, turn to today's page because it is really, really interesting. The Bible guide is just a way that we put together for you to go through the Bible with us. The Bible is the most important book of all, but uh, it is really good. So 
all the evil in the world will be judged at the end of time. Yes, it will. During this time, the time we live in now, God's remarkable mercy gives each one of us the opportunity to make ourselves right with him. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for humanity to repent and resolve its sinful condition before God. Yet many have ignored or outright rejected the idea of a savior or the need to be saved at all. But if we look carefully at our world and the violations against human life and the wrongs that are in it, we quickly recognize there is a serious problem. The Bible tells us the problem is sin, rebellion against God. While the idea of sin is an ancient one, it's not wrong. Sin is ancient and it's today, happens today. There is nothing that we can do in our own humanness to cancel sin or to be reconciled with a holy God. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus Christ was given by God as a perfect person. And he lived, he was half God, half man, actually fully God and fully man. And, and he lived a perfect life and we, we killed him for it. Not a good idea. But he rose again to life because death could not hold him. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Help them, Lord. So that becomes very, very interesting. Today, we study the truth. Now, as hard as the truth might seem to hear, the truth is the truth and the truth doesn't change. No matter what I say about it or what anybody else thinks about it, the truth is still the truth. And the truth is there is sin. The truth is there is a holy God. The truth is we have to do something about the sin. And so, Father, I pray today that you would touch the hearts of many people who are watching, that they would hear what you are saying to us about sin, and that, Father, we would understand that we can make ourselves right with you and not live in fear. We don't live in fear, but we come to you and you make us right. And things change for us, Lord. So help us to take advantage of that. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Amen means make it so. So let's look at the scripture and understand what this says in Revelation chapter 19, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It says, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a grand, great multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. What does this mean? Sin is a violation that demands a response from holiness. Sin is a violation that demands a response from holiness. Jesus Christ gave his response on the cross and is willing to forgive us right now. Now, he talks about the harlot. Who is the harlot? Well, the harlot is this nation that has emerged and has taught the world evil. And, I mean, just do the research and you can discover what that nation is. Who's leading in human trafficking? Who's leading in pornography? Who's leading in abortion? Just saying. Very interesting. All right, Revelation chapter 19. Again, they said, Alleluia. Her smoke arises from forever and ever. 
And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne. Amen. Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. Praise God. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage supper of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. What in the world is he talking about? God is sovereign over all people. We must praise him for his unrelenting love of the church. God loves the church. Of course he does. You know, whenever we love someone like our son or our daughter, if we're truly right and we love the Lord, we sometimes have to get hard with them and say no. And God does that with us. You know what? It's important because God loves us. Discipline is not something that we enjoy doing, but it's something that God does. And beloved, we need to hear that. So is the Lord saying no right now to some of the church? I, you know, whatever. We need to think. We need to consider that and think that through. All right. Let's go back to the scripture. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen to the church. Clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Did you get that? The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Don't worship me. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay. So the testimony about Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All biblical prophecy points directly or indirectly to Jesus Christ. Now, we live in a time when everybody's either really hot on prophecy or they're afraid. But let me tell you something. The spirit of prophecy is Jesus. So, from a standpoint of a person watching, I would say that the more prophecy I learn from the Bible, not from human man, but from the Bible, the more I learn about Jesus Christ. That's exactly what I want to do. That's exactly what we want to do. Beloved, we must learn about Jesus Christ. We must learn how he's going to handle the end of time. We must learn how he reacts to sin. We must learn how he judges. We must learn all of these things so we understand how to react to the Lord. It's not enough for us just to get saved and sit around and twiddle our thumbs. God has us for a reason in this time right now. Praise God. We live in a time when prophecy is emerging in front of our faces. Praise God for that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Father, today, and we pray today, Lord, may it continue. 
as we watch and as we learn and as we understand what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today, part of our scriptural assignment includes the stunning vision that John had of the coming Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation 19. And there's so much of John's description that we could focus on, but today I wanna to talk specifically about what he sees on his head. John says in verse 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. The last time we saw Jesus wearing a crown, it was made of thorns, if you recall. But now John doesn't see a thorny crown, and he doesn't just see one crown, but many crowns. Check it out. Although just one week earlier he had made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the king of the Jews, Jesus was now being horrifically beaten and scourged at the hands of the Romans in preparation for his crucifixion. Respect spiraled quickly into ridicule as the soldiers stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Then when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. That the Romans placed a crown of thorns upon the head of Jesus to mock him is appropriate, since from the earliest periods of history, chaplets of leaves were bestowed upon heroes who had conquered on the field of battle and later also upon Olympic champions. Hence the crown of thorns mimicked these wreaths of triumph, as well as of the golden crowns of kings. However, to the ignorance of the world, this wasn't a defeat, but a victory, because the Messiah's life wasn't being taken, but rather it was being given. The Son of God and the very creator of the world had willingly traded his heavenly crown for a crown of scorn, which literally bore one of the identifying marks of the cursed creation, thorns and thistles. However, this wasn't the end, but the beginning, a new beginning. In fact, Jesus' victory over sin and death was foreseen and declared many years earlier. For example, Psalm 132 verse 18 says of the triumphant Messiah, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. A particularly vivid metaphor when one considers the ancient practice of bestowing chaplets of leaves on champions and victors of war. Also, the Apostle John saw and describes the coming Jesus in Revelation chapter 19. One of the things he noted was his head. On it was no longer a crown of thorns, but instead many crowns. Significantly, in ancient times, monarchs who claimed authority over more than one country wore more than one crown. The king of Egypt, for example, wore united crowns of Upper and Lower Egypt. And when Ptolemy Philometor entered Antioch as a conqueror, he wore a triple crown two for Egypt and the third for Asia. Yet John saw him who is king of kings and lord of lords, and on his head were many crowns. Thus, in a beautiful figure, the universal dominion of our blessed Lord is set forth. 
So Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords and creator of everything, exchanged his heavenly crown for a crown of thorns. And remember, thorns are a part of the curse on the creation. So by bearing the thorns, he was bearing the curse. And while the world believed that Jesus had been defeated, it was actually a crucial victory because it was by his death that he was able to defeat sin. What's more, when he rose three days later, he also defeated death once and for all. Jesus is alive and he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And the next time he comes, he won't be coming as a lamb led to the slaughter, but rather as a conqueror and a king. And John sees the coming Christ and he's wearing many crowns signifying his complete and total authority and dominion over everything and everyone. His coming is sure. The only question now is, are you ready? Yeah, and we can be ready by inviting Jesus Christ to come into our life and saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Uh, I'm a sinner and I need your help. I need you to come into my life and show me how to live your way. We, we don't have to call an 800 number or do this or go to that website. Just come to Jesus right where you are, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. That's the important thing. It's very, very critical that you do so. Uh, thank you so much for considering that. Janice? Well, today, just very quickly, um, thank you, Ryan, for your segment on Christ, uh, Christ on a White Horse. That was exactly where I was going today. I was going to read the passage, but there's no need to. And if you're just tuning in right now, you can turn your Bible to Revelation 19 and read from 11 through 16. And that verse 16, it says, And he has written on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when I read this chapter in Revelation 19, all I can hear in my mind is that beautiful work of, of music that George Frederick Handel did, uh, the Hallelujah Chorus. And of course, that's not something that I can sing on my own. That's something that you need to hear a choir sing. If you're a brand new Christian and you've never heard the Hallelujah Chorus, Google that. George Frederick Handel, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And so many of the lines are taken exactly from Revelation 19. It is beautiful. King of kings and Lord of we'd, lords. We'd have to all stand up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I lose it every time listening to that, that piece of music. Yeah, it's beautiful. So it, it is uh, if you haven't heard it, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it, because it is worth the, the several minutes. Uh, and make sure it's a big choir that's yeah, singing it. With the, the protocol for that usually is you stand up. And so uh, be, even if you're listening, you just stand up because that's just... Because you can't sit down. <laughs> you can't sit down. And that's just the way that, uh, you know, it's it's happened. And yeah. so that's what God did. Well, yesterday we talked with Matlock Babechko. And Matlock is an amazing uh, gentleman who is married to my wife or my husband. Uh, my daughter. I talk to you. Daughter. And uh, what we talked about is your interest in film. And we talked about you uh, going after that. You went to art first and you went to film. But then you said something yesterday, and I think you should explain it a little bit better. Right. First of all, there are many people who have questions about anything spiritual at all. Right. Uh, and you did too. You, you didn't believe in demons. You didn't believe in any of that stuff. No. So you're at the place where you come to know the Lord. And right. So Tell us about that when you're driving your car and all that business. Right. Okay. So precursor, I guess, from everyone who heard last <laughs> week, before I heard the voice of God, tell me, you will marry Corey Hembrick. <laughs> um, I was basically in, in, a, in a rut. I knew that like all my attempts to make myself 
morally good failed. This, I was basically at rock bottom, not like a rock bottom in like the worldly sense where you think like someone's like, you know, they're ODing on drugs, nothing like that. I felt I was at rock bottom in my current, my current state, morally at rock bottom, and I couldn't do anything to correct How it. How old were you? That's 10 years ago. So I don't know, how old am I now? <laughs> 34, so, so 24? Yeah, right, 24. 24 years old and you're right. at the bottom. You're, you're, felt yeah. like I was at the bottom. And I also felt like, because I was pretty much, it was ingrained in my life. People are just inherently good. And I came to this point that that's not true. It cannot be true. People are not inherently good, myself included. So this was not just like um, I was evil. This was a worldview shattering moment because I kind of, not kind of, I did hold to the idea that people were inherently good. And so when you have enough experience with that not to be the case, and everyone's kind of looking out for themselves, enough selfishness in your life, you start to realize that, you know, I, I, was, I, I was raised wrong right, in some sense. You know, I, was, I had the wrong mentality. I thought the wrong, had the wrong beliefs or whatever. Anyways, so as I was driving down the road, I was just lamenting about this and it, it, I was just like, you know, sometimes I would lament out loud and it kind of like, like to God. And at this time I did believe God was real. I never rejected the idea of God, never once. I thought God was plausible. I just rejected at the time that Christianity was, was true. I didn't think it was, I thought, I think it could be. I was like, I don't think it was true because I was so confused growing up. I was like, God exists. That was kind of where I was at. And I would pray to him, you know, how novel of me. Anyways, so you were a nominal Christian. Uh, I was totally nominal. Well, at this time, I wasn't even nominal. I was I wasn't even calling myself a Christian, but I was just I was praying to if a God existed, God, right? Because I believe that that made sense logically. It made sense for for creation point. But anyways, be that as it may, I was driving down the road, and I was kind of like, you know, I can't correct myself. I, the world's corrupt, and all these things are corrupt. And as I was saying these things out loud, I heard a voice say, "I don't like talking about this because it's very sensational. I don't like dealing with sensational topics." It's ironic because I'm very much, I guess you can call me like more of a naturalist in the way I kind of set out my life course. And this kind of interrupts everything in my life. Anyways, the point is I heard a voice while I was driving my, out of my, in this year, uh, God hates you. And the, that never, I never even heard of that before in my life. That, that's the idea that God would hate me, first of all. It never even crossed my mind. But second of all, the sound of the voice sounded demonic. Like it was so terrifying because I was driving and it sounded like an audible voice out of my left ear, God hates you. And immediately I was like, that was a demon. Like I didn't know how else to describe it. So then I said, oh my gosh, like, like I, I didn't know what to do. So I just started repenting. And I remember in my mind, I kept saying, oh, repent three times. I say, oh, I repent, Lord, I repent, I repent. And I kept saying, it. And, it's, and when I went over, I said, my mind said, say it seven times. Like, you know, numbers that somehow that God likes, as if these are like favorable numbers or something. And I was like, no, no, no. And I just kept saying, I repent, I repent. Anyways, I just kept going. And I remember telling myself, like, just keep saying it. Keep saying it. So I kept saying it. I got, into, I left, got out of my car, went upstairs, went to my room. And that's when I, the whole thing happened. And God, I felt like this anointing all went down me. And then God said, you will marry Corey Hembry. And I said, I'm sorry, Lord. And then God and, God and I, sp we, then we spoke. And then that was that. But at that moment, then I knew it was, God was real. And I was everything else. And from that moment, like I felt like I, I was going through times of depression, like serious mental like problems. I, could, I was quasi like, you could, some people would chalk me up as bipolar or whatever. Some days I was like 
top of the world. And then you know, two weeks later, I'm like at the bottom of the barrel, whatever it is. You're saying really highs, lows, really low lows and high highs. That was me. And then that day happened. No, it's just been steady Eddie ever since. So it was a life changing moment and transformation. And so uh, God got a hold of your life. And completely. It was like warm oil. It wasn't a voice that told you God hates you. And I, but so this idea yes. of people who feel like God hates them and all of that, that's not true. Well, like, here's what it was. When I, I never even thought of the concept, but here's the irony behind it. God might have been hating what I was doing completely, right? So in a sense, the demon wasn't necessarily saying a falsehood. Like, I don't really understand exactly how, how that works. But here's what I will say. I could, I could sense that the voice was evil. Now imagine it was, it was guided in light, right? It was like it was an angel of light. It's like, like, that could have really misdirected me. But I heard the voice for what it was. You see what I'm saying? And I said, well, because I, I look back at my life and I'm like, you were terrible. You were a terrible guy. Like, I can't even believe it, actually. I look like, a, I feel like a completely different person, but I have the memories of this other guy. Anyways, but God, did, God didn't like what I was doing. So the, in a sense, the scene and the demon, whatever it was, wasn't saying something completely wrong. He was hating what I was doing. So it, like, I, however that works, I, like God loves came because he loves all people, right? People are sick, I was sick. I've been healed. That's the idea, right? Mm -hmm. Salvation is healing. Sanctification is healing. Anyways, so that's my... That's that's it. It. Absolutely fascinating. And he, he literally covered you. He blanketed you yeah. in his, his warmth, yes. in his comfort, yes. in his peace, right. washed over you yes. to remove that from the past. Yes. Isn't and that a miracle? It was, like it's a miracle. It is. It's amazing. I remember just reading the New Testament and actually be able to read it. Like I read Paul and being like, oh, so that's what he's saying. And before it was kind of like, oh, okay, it's a little confusing. You could have said that's more simple, right? But but it's, yeah, it's just, it was, yeah, it's. Okay. I, can't, I say national television. But <laughs> we're going we're yeah. to talk about this on the next program and what he's doing today. It is absolutely great. And thank you for joining us. Let's get back to the program. Join us on the Roku box. The Roku is a box that uses the internet, puts it on your television set. We have a channel there called BD Family and Friends, BD Family and Friends, or you can look up Bible Discovery, either one. But join us on Roku and uh, you can watch us anytime you want uh, on television. Very, very interesting. Today we pray, Lord, I ask you to help to understand, help me to understand these days in which I live because you're speaking and doing things right now. 